I'm on. Um, just a deep breath. That was a lot of announcements. It's a lot of announcements. Can we just sing one more second? Our affection, my deep... Don't even need a guitar. Poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection and our devotion. Poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. And you are the one my Father, for your presence here today. Hallelujah, you're so good. Anoint my words today. Use me to minister your grace, your healing, Father, your power. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. While we were singing that song earlier, I just wondered if while the gentleman was writing it, if he was picturing when she took the box, the alabaster box, and broke the perfume. Over the feet of Jesus. The Bible says he who has been forgiven much loves much. And it's just always good to pour out our love on the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. He's so good. I do have a word burning in me. It's a a series kind of a word. And he says three weeks, but I was itching for four, so maybe... (laughs) but um it just is called add to your faith and so if you'll open up to to second peter chapter one we're going to start here and um these are actually peter's final words they were second peter was the last letter that he wrote and we're going to see a little bit as we read uh, verses one through 15 what his heart was in this and what his His mind was in this, so we're just going to jump right in. 2 Peter verse 1 says, This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith that we have. Do you share the same precious faith this morning? This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) He's given us everything we need. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, everyone say excellence. Excellence. He has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Another translation, I like it a little better. It says he enables us to participate in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, in view of everything we just read, Make every effort to respond 
to God's promises. Add to your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, patient endurance. Ooh, everyone say patient endurance. That's a fun one. And patient endurance to godliness and to godliness, brotherly affection and brotherly affection, love for everyone. The more you grow like this, everyone say grow. Grow. The more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Everyone say, work hard. To prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. And so these are the things that the Apostle Peter wanted his congregation, his, his people that he was responsible to writing for. This is what he wanted them to remember. Not Jesus loves you. Not Jesus set you free. Those weren't the most important things on the top of his mind. Not, oh, grace, grace, grace. Add to your faith. Make every effort to respond to the promises of God. These are the things that he wanted us to remember. He's given us everything we need by his glory and excellence. He's given us everything we need by his glory and excellence to live the way that Peter is encouraging us to live. Verse 4 says that we are to participate in his divine nature. And what that means literally is that he has given us the ability or power to resist sin through union with Christ. Hallelujah. I love verse 5. It says, make every effort to respond to his promises. And he's laying down the gauntlet. God gave the promises and we have to respond to them. The promises without a response just stay there. But when we respond to the promises of God, when we participate with the promises of God, it opens up the whole abundant life in our lives. And because he said, in view of all of this that I've talked about, that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness, that he's given us precious promises, that it was through his very own goodness, glory, and excellence that he's given us all these things, in light of all of this, respond. Do something. Do this. Add to your faith. And so I looked up that word faith, and it means exactly what you think it would mean. It means reliance upon Christ for salvation. So now he's saying, add to your faith. Okay, don't shut me down because you think I'm trying to make you go back under the law. You think I'm going to make works more important. It doesn't say, (laughs) it doesn't say add to your faith 
or you won't be saved. Right? We're not adding to our faith for salvation. We're adding to our faith because of reliance upon Christ for salvation. We're not adding to the gospel. <laughs> We're not adding to. It's by grace that you're, served, or that you're saved through faith if you work really hard for it. No. By grace and grace alone, through faith, reliance upon Christ, we are saved, period. But because we're saved, we are able to add to our faith. And so a better way to put this would be to, hold on, I wrote it down and I really want to read it that way. A better, oh, it's two-sided, it printed two-sided, it's throwing me off. A better way to put that is to build these things, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patience, Brotherly affection, godliness, love for everyone. Build these things or develop these things on the foundation of the faith of union with Christ. So we couldn't do it without the foundation of faith in Christ. Works are nothing. Without the foundation of faith in Christ, works are nothing but empty, dirty rags of trying to earn some kind of righteousness, right? God made us righteous. He made us one with Christ. He changed our nature the minute we believed on Christ for salvation, period. We can't add to that. But he must first be in our hearts by faith, and then he manifests through our lives in these things. And so I really like that Paul put it here, right? Works without faith are ineffective and meaningless in the light of eternity. But faith without works is dead, also meaningless. Our actions reveal our heart. Our behavior reflects and confirms our relationship with God. Our actions reveal the heart. Our behavior reflects and confirms our relationship with God. In Acts 26.20, Paul was talking and he said, I preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles that they almost repent of their sins and turn to God. Period. End of story. Is that what Acts 26.20 ends with? That they almost repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things that they do. Everybody say, what I do matters. Acts 24, 25, Paul was talking to uh, his leaders, and it says, a few days after Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ. Say, always faith in Christ first. He reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control. Oops. He didn't stop with righteousness. He reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment. To the point where Felix became frightened and said, go away for now, he replied, when it's more convenient, I'll call for you. Oh, wait a minute, Paul, you're supposed to stop. Supposed to stop just at the good stuff. (laughs) We're supposed to stop at just what he did for me. 
He did all kinds of things for me. And that's what you, that's how you get him, Paul. That's how you close the deal and get him to repeat after me. Paul didn't know that. So he moved on. He said, you need to repent of your sins. He talked to them about self-control and the coming day of judgment. Why? It all matters. It all matters. Paul did not just say, repeat after me. He preached salvation and then what's supposed to follow? Salvation. Faith in Christ first, always, only for salvation. But belief should always be followed by following. Belief should always be followed by following. Jesus didn't just say, repeat after me. Go home and stay just the way you are to his disciples, did he? He said, come, follow me. They believed in him, and once they believed, he said, come, follow me. So this is what following looks like. You know, Peter was one of the ones. Peter was one of the come, follow me. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years and experienced Jesus teaching him all of these things. And so he felt it was so important to put in the last letter that he ever wrote and said, I will always remind you, I'm going to make sure to remind you, and I'm writing this letter so that even after I'm gone, you'll still be reminded that it is important and necessary and vital for spiritual maturity to add to your faith. That's the why. Verse 8, it says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 10, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But he's given us full right Reign and choice to walk away if we want to. Have you ever known anyone that's fallen away who was really on fire for God at one point in their life, really serving him, really going after them, him, and all of a sudden they're not? All of a sudden you turn around and they don't want anything to do with God? Can guarantee you that they weren't adding to their faith every day. They weren't keeping hot that relationship with God every day. Peter, Paul, the disciples, they were living in a time where holiness and where that close, intimate walk with God was kind of like this in the church. In the church. We're talking about in the church. He's not preaching this to to non-believers. We're talking about in the church. There's always going to be godlessness out there, right? But in here, there's supposed to be godliness, in here. And so he's talking to the church and he's seen people fall away because they're not doing these things. So he wants to make sure that these ones that he loves and cares for and prays for and adores with all of his heart don't get sucked away because they didn't do these things. Second, or Philippians 3.1, Paul wrote, writes to his people, the Philippians, and says, I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. So our faith needs safeguarded. Second Corinthians 5, 9 and 10 
says, so whether we are here in this body, we're still talking about why we need to add to our faith. Whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before the judgment seat of, or before Christ to be judged for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So what's our goal? To please him. So we need to learn how to do that. It is possible to displease him. Or Paul wouldn't have had to write that in there. It is possible to displease our father. Or our goal wouldn't have to be to please him. It would just be automatic, right? right? So add to your faith. So safeguard your faith. So we must participate in the divine nature that he's given us to mature and grow spiritually. We must participate. Remember, verse 3 said he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's given us everything we need to live this way. But we must participate in the divine nature. That means to take part in it. And I, I asked my son, Alex, if he would come to church in a, in a tank top this morning just to help kind of prove the point. Um, my son diligently works out. Diligently. And has for years. I don't know where he gets that desire because it is not from me. It is not from me. But he works on his six-pack. He works on his guns. The sun's out, guns out, right? And so um, how many of you can agree that we have all been given the same set of muscles yes. as Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> we all have the very... He does, Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't have more muscles in his body than than we do. He's got the same biceps and triceps and abs. <laughs> Help me with the muscle names here. And pecs and oh, hams, no, hamstrings a tendon. Anyway, so Alex said, well, I'd rather wear the shorts, you know, because I like my leg muscles more than my arm muscles. But anyway, I, did, I promised him I wouldn't embarrass him by making him come up here in a tank top this morning. I think that's why he's not here. But um, we can all agree that we have the same muscles as Arnold Schwarzenegger. He didn't get more muscles when he was born than we did. But he participates with his muscle more than I do. Alex participates with his muscles. He takes the potential that's in his muscles and he makes every effort to respond to the potential in his muscles to grow them and strengthen him to do exactly what they're supposed to do. Are you with me? Yes. I don't participate with my muscles as much as Alex or, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I need help lifting things. I need help moving things. I need help doing things. Does that mean the potential's not there for me to participate with my muscles? No. My muscles can potentially be as strong as anybody else's muscles. I just don't develop them the way that some other people do. And it's the same with spiritual maturity. We have all been given everything we need 
to live a godly life. That's what that means. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. If you study that all the way back out, it means he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So why do some people live a little more controlled, a little more patient, a little more brotherly affection than others? Because they participate with that part of the divine nature more than somebody else. Does it mean that we don't all have the ability to participate with the divine nature in us? We all have the ability. We don't all do it as much, though. And so help us, Lord. (laughs) Spiritual maturity was very important to the disciples. It was a very important subject to Peter. That's why he made it some of his last words in this letter. It was very important. It wasn't an option. If you want to not fall away, if you want to be productive for God, if your goal is to please him, then spiritual maturity is a must. And it's not just something we're supposed to think about once a year when somebody takes you to 2 Peter chapter 1 and preaches about adds to your faith. This is supposed to become so much of a part of us that when we get up in the morning, we're asking, how do I participate with the divine nature this morning? What can I do this morning to add to my faith? What needs added to my faith this morning? What areas do I need to work on this morning? What did I mess up in yesterday that I need to strengthen today? A daily goal. I'll go back to Alex. He, he runs cross country and he runs track. So his freshman year was a stellar track year for him. In our division, he was the fastest freshman in the county in the 400-meter race, which is a tough race. And so he opted to drop football and move to cross country to help in his training. And he got to track season training, crosses in the fall, track is in the spring, got to, to track training, which starts in February, and was riding a little too high on how good he was his freshman year. Then he kind of slid into his sophomore year. And he didn't do maybe the workouts as diligently as he had his freshman year. He thought, I'm just good. So I don't really need to do the extra. And guess what happened last year? He didn't get any better. He didn't get any better. And every race he would come and it would go and he wasn't any better and he wasn't any faster. In fact, he got a teensy little bit slower. <laughs> Just a teens. He was still pretty fast because he was discouraged because his time was like a 56 or 55 something. And I go, it takes me three minutes to run around that track, Alice. <laughs> You're still so much faster than mom. He goes, mom, I'm not racing you. I'm racing him. And so he went to his cross-country camp again this year, and there was a kid there named Bobby who had won state, I don't know how many years, really took Alex under his wing, and he pulled him aside. He had strong Christian camp. They go to a Christian running camp, Christian counselors, the whole nine yards, And Bobby stayed up late. Alex would stay up late because it was the only time he could read his Bible and do his journaling. I love my son. He reads his Bible and journals like me. I get it. (laughs) Everyone has their own little form, but I just, 
my, my kid. But um, so Bobby would come over and what are you reading? What are you reading? What are you learning today? And they would talk about the word. And then it opened up into talking about his track season last year. And Bobby said, you know what happens to everyone? He goes, but this is what you do. You get up every morning and you ask yourself today, how can I go over and above what my coach is asking me to do? You want to get stronger, you want to get faster, you want to get better, get up every day and say, what can I do today to go over and above the training that my coach gave me? Whether it's an extra run, extra reps on the weights, whatever that looks like. And he said, I'm doing that now, I'm doing that. What can I do today to go over and above? And it's the same thing with our add to our faith. With growing in spiritual maturity. We should never just be satisfied where we are. And if, you've ever, if you ever meet someone who thinks, I'm it, I'm there, I'm mature, I, I don't have anything else to learn to do to grow, I'm good, then pray for them. <laughs> because we're all growing. We're all growing. If the Holy Spirit isn't correcting you about something from time to time, you need to get in the mirror because <laughs> there's nobody will reach perfection this side of heaven we're always wanting to grow and be more and more like jesus i had him a few weeks ago wives will i was talking to a friend of mine before service and we were talking about this but wives will relate um how many of you wives like to tell your husband things <laughs> Little suggestions, just little suggestions. You know, I really can, I'm seeing outside of you. I have a better perspective of you. It's like your hairdresser that does your hair better because she has two hands. I'm outside of you and I can, I can help you with these things. Let me just give you just a little hint about this one little area in your life. You know what the Holy Spirit told me one day? He goes, I make a way better Holy Spirit than you. (laughs) I make a way better Holy Spirit than you. And when you're doing all the talking, he can't hear me. Mm -hmm. 26 years strong in serving the Lord, and I still get my toes stepped on by the Holy Spirit. So if you feel like there's no areas for you to grow in, you can just, we just need to get back in the word and look in the mirror a little bit. (laughs) Because there's always another muscle that needs built and strengthened. Amen. So we're going to talk real quick. We're going to start. We're going to start with what are we supposed to add to our faith and what do these things look like? Um, We're we're not going to necessarily go in order. Um, this, if you study this in the commentaries, they'll tell you the way that this is written is a literary device. Add to your faith patience and to your patience this and to this that and to that this. They had to put them in some kind of order. And when these lists are in here, they're not necessarily moral excellence is first and get that perfect before you start to add the next one and get that. It's not a stair step thing. These are all on the same level. We need to add them all to our faith, and we need to add them all to our faith every day. But you have to put them in some kind of order to be able to actually read it and understand it. So we might skip around a little bit 
But we, and I do want to put self-control last. I have some things in my heart on a way that I want to illustrate that, and we're just going to put that to the last lesson. So, but we're going to start with moral excellence. Everyone say moral excellence. Uh, another word for this is virtue, which we look at virtue and think power, because there's a, a translation of the word virtue that means power, but um, moral excellence is the way that this one is translated. The same word for excellence here is the same word for excellence in verse 3 where it's talking about God. By his glory and his excellence, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So now we see that he's given us this through his virtue, through his excellence, and now we need to add to our faith excellence. And they go into a little more detail and call it moral excellence. And all this really means is the qualities and characteristics that make God, God. So we need to add to our faith. We rely upon Christ for salvation. Now we need to build on that foundation excellence, the characteristics that God has. Love, holiness, compassion, grace, mercy, justice. All the characteristics that make God God. When he says, add to your faith, add to your reliance upon Christ, moral excellence, the question we should be asking ourselves every morning when I get up and I'm going to add to my faith, I'm going to get up and I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to examine myself so that I can be the most productive for the kingdom of God today, is am I revealing the character of God through my thoughts and through my actions? and through my words. So let's just go through yesterday, shall we? Like a little TV in our brain. Did everything I do think and say yesterday reveal the character of God? Mm, no. <laughs> Pretty much no. Mostly, I would say I got a B plus or an A minus. But when everyone else was in bed and I walked into the kitchen and saw all the dishes that really should have been done. I started just... That wasn't revealing the character (laughs) of God's long-suffering patience. It was just the flesh going, I'm tired. I don't want to be doing this right now. Right? Okay, so let's go through our minds and our yet no. (laughs) But add to our our faith moral excellence. This is going to help us be super productive for God. Revealing through our character, through our words thoughts and actions, the characters and qualities of God. 2 Corinthians 3.8 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So while we're in the Word and in His presence, taking in of who He is, that divine nature, through He's given us everything we need for life and godliness, He's put the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in us so that we can reflect 
his character out to the world. And that makes us productive for his kingdom. Do I reveal and reflect through my character and actions all of the attributes of God and only the attributes of God? That's our goal. That's our goal is to have less of me and more of him. No flesh, all spirit. It's a work in progress, isn't it? (laughs) And that that should be our heart's cry every day. Do I reveal and reflect through my character the actions and the attributes of God? That's what it means to add to our faith moral excellence. So how do we find out what the characteristics and attributes of God are? We read the word. This is where he reveals who he is to us. Amen. Should be reading it every day. The next thing we're going to add to our faith is knowledge. I love to learn. I love to study. If I could go to school again, I would go to school. I like to learn stuff. And so knowledge, to me, this was a really cool one. I'm like, oh, he's going to talk about learning. It's never too late to learn. I might be 46, but going back to school, you know, this would be a good thing. But um, actually, that word knowledge from the Greek lexicon, it says knowing or recognition or the knowledge or understanding of a thing. The insight which manifests itself in the thorough understanding of the subject with which it meets, that just means we understand him and, and turns itself out in conduct determined by what you learned. So let me say that again. The knowledge or understanding of a thing, the insight which manifests itself in, and thorough, in the thorough understanding of the subject with which it meets and the conduct determined thereby. So we like to take it in But sometimes (laughs) getting it out is a little more difficult. Anything that we learn needs to come out. Whatever we're learning of him needs to come out. So it's not just knowing to know, it's knowing to show. It comes back to moral excellence. We're reflecting his character out here. And as we study him and as we learn him, then that's supposed to affect our actions. If what you're studying and what you're learning doesn't impact your actions, then you need to go back and study it again. Then we need to go back and learn it again. And then we need to make a conscious decision that I'm not going to walk in the old way. I'm going to walk in the new way. This may be who I was, but this is who I am. And this is the direction that I need to conduct myself through. I didn't know it before, right? Godlessness, they don't know. But godliness, we know. And so as we gain knowledge, it's supposed to impact our actions. Remember we said actions reveal the heart? Actions reveal God's character. How much we're letting it impact us. I was at Bible school And um, I was at Bible school. I went to Rama Bible Training Center a long time ago. And um, sitting in class after class after class, just taking in, taking in, taking in, taking in. And after about four or five weeks, I was in prayer one day, prayer school, and the Holy Spirit said, when are you going to let what you're learning affect your life? I was taking it all in. 
like a sponge, but it wasn't changing anything yet. He should change us. He should totally change us. Mm, I could go somewhere, but let's get through this first. Knowledge was always much more than just knowing in your head. Knowledge was always meant to have an influence on our conduct. Not just study to know, study to show. What did Paul say? Repent of your sins and prove you've changed by the good works that you do. Add to your reliance upon Christ for salvation, studying who he is and who he has made you so it changes and influences your conduct. What did Jesus say over and over and over? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Proverbs 21 26 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly lives generous life. So, okay, that's something that we read. That's something that we study. God, the godly live a generous life. I'm godly. Godly, okay. Do I always live a generous life? Hmm. But now that you know the grace that's in you enables you, he's given us everything we need to live this godly life. As we learn it, We're supposed to do it, right? Never just knowing to know, always knowing to do. It should change our life. If you love me, you'll keep my... If you love me, you'll just come into worship on Sunday mornings and cry and just show how much you love me by the tears that you shed. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What we do, our actions reveal our heart. Never, ever, ever have I ever questioned his love for me, no matter what I do. He's so faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. And he loves us. He loves us. Have you ever missed it? And then again the same day. And then again the same day. And then 18 more agains the same day. And you almost like want to get on your face and I really mean it this time. I really mean it. I ask you to forgive me. I'm never going to do this again, Lord. I am so sorry. I want to prove how sorry I am. And maybe I'll just fast dinner to prove how sorry I am. All that says is that the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. When we confess our sins, he's faithful in just to forgive, period. And then we go back, Father, I <laughs> hate that thing. When we start to see that thing the way that he sees that thing, we'll begin to hate it and not want it anywhere near us. Never, ever, ever have questioned his love for me no matter what I do. But when I read this, if you love me, You'll keep my commandments. And then I do something that makes him look bad? Or I know is against his word? I question how deep is my love. We do a lot of marriage counseling. A lot. And there's a gauge that we use to determine somebody's depth of love. 
And it is not what they say. It's how are they treating you. Right? If your husband treats you poorly, are you going to question his love? If he loved me, wouldn't he be treating me different? Right? God loves us. The question is, how deep, how deep? We need to add to our faith knowledge, not just studying and getting to know him. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It is not a bad place to be in when you get into that convicting place. Because it's in that place of brokenness that he comes in with his love, right? And strengthens. Says, you can do this. Get up and do it again. Get up and try again. I know you love me. Let's make it deeper. And that's when my prayer becomes, Father, deepen my love. Help me. Strengthen me to stand. To be the most productive for you. Our actions reveal our heart. It's a barometer. It's a barometer. Now, I want you to never, ever, ever, ever say ever. Ever. Judge anybody else's love. (laughs) There's no way or time or place that we can judge somebody else's love. Two actions might look similar, but the heart is different, right? We don't see anybody else's heart. Someone snippy and edgy over here who immediately is like, Father, forgive me, I did it. That was number 19. Forgive me, I did it again. And then edgy number 20, oh, Father, my heart is breaking. Forgive me. Help me. Strengthen me. It's completely different from edgy and doesn't care. Edgy and I'm never changing. Edgy and I don't care what anybody says, even God. This is who I am. This is my personality. If you don't like it, you can leave. Do you see the difference? And how do we? That's why God says, don't you dare judge my servant. I'm the only one who gets to judge my servant. Who are, love judges, love absolutely judges. Who does love judge? Love judges me. And that's what this whole thing is about, this whole add to your faith, is looking in the mirror of his word, saying, I need to add these things to my faith so that I can be the most productive, so I can safeguard my faith, so I will never fall away. Because I can guarantee you, the more time you spend in his presence, even when you miss it, and feel his love wrap around you, it's not going to drive you away from him. It's going to drive you to him. I'm going to end with this. Um, And we'll get to some of these other ones next week. Lots of them. I'm going to hurry. But I've recently been reading in Job in my daily Bible reading. Anyone else on Job or through just past Job? Read it 
I, 26 times. I've been reading the Bible through every year since I got saved. So 26 times later, plus however many times I read it just to read it, which why would you just want to read Job? Because you have like the beginning where he shows you what's going on in heaven. So you have the behind the scenes knowledge of what's going on. And then you have 30 some chapters of people who have no idea what they're talking about trying to figure out God. And then you have God coming in at the end saying, he never answered Job's question. That's what I think is hilarious. Job just wanted to know, why is this happening to me? I know I haven't sinned. Why is this happening? And God never answered his question. All he did was reveal himself to Job. And Job was like, that's enough. That's all I needed to know. Because even in the last chapter, he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you. And now I know. I know that you're good. (laughs) It doesn't matter what happened to me. You're God. God restored double, period, end of story. Job was not a bad story. But Job's wife gets, gets this bad rap. The only thing we see about Job's wife is, why are you holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> right? That's all we see about Job's wife. And Job looked at her and said, uh-uh. And Job was trying to figure out God. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. We know that God didn't take away. We know that the enemy is the one who took away. But Job's premise was, I don't care what happens to me. I take the good. I take the bad. I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. The same things that happened to Job happened to Job's wife in like this she lost all of her security she lost all of their income they lost all of their stable steady footing she lost all of her children in one fell swoop crazy grief stricken how many of you in the midst of your grief have ever questioned god then you were like job's wife And what I saw when I was reading it just recently is Job and Job's wife dealt the same circumstance. One ran to God and one ran away. And when we run to God, he comforts and he gives strength and he gives grace. And when we don't run to God, so grief-stricken that you're just like, I want to die and I want you to die and let's just all die. Because life's not worth living. We need to add to our faith. And God wanted to make sure we got this. We need to add to our faith. And we, we get to any points in our lives that are like this, where, like with knowledge, we are now aware that what we're doing is displeasing God. And yet we keep doing it. And we don't want to do it. You don't get so down on yourself that you run away. And push him away. I guess I'll never get it. I guess I'll never be right. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Psalm says that he knows how we're formed. And he knows that we're just human. That's why he sent Jesus. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive our sin. And if you read through 1 John, 1 John is talking to the church. Because he says, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Not when. He expects us to walk above it. 
Why? Because he's given us everything we need to participate in the divine nature, which includes the power to walk above sin. But if you do happen to sin, you have an advocate with the Father. He's faithful. He's a good God. And he's given us everything we need to to have reliance and total reliance upon Christ for salvation and to grow up into a mature, godly, holy, power-packing, word-speaking, authority-using Christian that is productive for him and takes back the kingdom of darkness and brings it into the kingdom of light for his glory. But to get there, we need to add to our faith. Amen. Amen. Father, in my most inadequate way, I have done my best to bring forth your word, and I just pray that you would just break it apart to us. Let your revelation permeate our hearts and minds, and let us crave. Let us crave to add to our faith. Let us crave and make our only goal to please you and show us how to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, love. God is good. You know, I heard recently uh, someone say, uh, and I think it was Bishop Robert Stearns, he said, you know, once you come to a place in your life where you think you have everything figured out, you've got it all figured out, and you know exactly what you're doing in Christ Jesus. You know what you're doing. Congratulations, you've just created the golden calf. And I think it's so it's appropriate that we're learning this um, because what did we? What I just she didn't know I was going to say what I said at the beginning. Our purpose is to grow up healthy. We want to know it's not about salvation at this point. It's about showing forth the love of God and what He's done for us. If people don't see it in us, what's the point? If we just look like everybody else, if we just do like everybody else. What's the point of being Christians, of being followers of Christ? Decisions determine destiny. And that's where we're going. We're going to healthy. We're going to longevity. We're going to mature Christianity. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Will you stand with us? We just love to do this on a weekly basis. We want to bless you before you go. And so um, this morning, we just bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to understand and know who you are in Christ Jesus. To know that it's not about salvation, it's about becoming mature and healthy. And we bless you with the knowledge and the understanding to add to your faith these things that you read in the scriptures. So go mighty warriors, be who God called you to be. Be the man, be the woman, be the son, be the daughter that God has called you to be. We bless you with that knowledge and understanding in the precious name of Jesus. We bless you. Amen and amen. God bless you. Just a reminder, Tuesday night, we'll see if you signed up for the volunteer meeting. We'll see you at 7 o'clock right here. 